In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. everybody just a quick audio note before we begin today there are some sound issues on sarah's side that happen intermittently throughout the episode we are working to correct those as we move forward i hope it is not too distracting and as always thank you so much for listening well uh this is going to be kind of a slightly different question than usual for our opening gambit um This is always my scariest part, what you're going to ask me. (laughs) Like, but shouldn't you, as someone who studied musical theater, be like super jazzed about this weekly opportunity to do improv? To talk about myself? Oh. (laughs) I thought you were going to say to talk about myself because, you know, self-centered. Well, because sometimes I do ask you a question that is, I guess, asking about your experiences, but... I'm going to try something slightly different. Let me be clear that musical theater and studying theater is very different than improv. (laughs) But surely you had to do some kind of improv workshops or exercises or. I'm, yeah, and I hated them. (laughs) Yes. I mean, yes, but. More than an average person. I mean, yes, I like watching improv, especially like when it's bad. It's kind of fun. (laughs) You just described a fucking like if I know most people hate that. That is where I will end up. And it will be like it will be like (laughs) baby shower improv. Like, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) No, when I picture improv, I do picture like. I don't know if there's such a thing as like professional improv people, but there are. I think that are are. very good at it. There absolutely are. Yeah, there are definitely people who are very good at it and it's funny and, you know, inventive and stuff. I used to love to be on it. This is so not where I didn't mean to derail, but the Mission Improbable <laughs> at UMass. I used to love going to their shows. I thought they were funny and they were just like dumb college students. So Well, that's again, you've described a hell, in this case, a hell <laughs> that I've experienced because that is like not the like college them? experience is there's multi, there's always multiple fucking improv groups <laughs> in college and you ha- invariably, like invariably you have to go. And this is the other thing that I believe very strongly is in college, you everyone thinks improv is so fucking funny. And that's because you're drunk when you're at these shows, <laughs> like well, drunk here's the sa- and okay. or high. And Tr- that's definitely true slash the ones I'm referring to sadly I was not in college I was in high school and me and my high school friends would go to the college and watch these shows and everyone else might have been drunk we were not (laughs) well yes I know you you and your friends in high school 
don't say it. Be careful. I know. It's um you don't call us losers. I That's rude. Just feel like there was so much hanging out at Applebee's that it's hard to avoid <laughs> the term. Okay. But okay. Well, that I will bring just, us full circle because we would go back, we would go to Applebee's after our musical theater shows. I Boom. Know. What do you want to say to me? I know. I I that's why I'm making fun of you for it, is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh but here's the real question okay. for today. And as I said, this is a bit different than our usual. Okay. Amy, when it comes to mermaids. Mm-hmm. Fact or fiction? What do you say? Oh, <laughs> wait, is that a real question? Um, yeah. Do some people think they're real for real for real? I mean, I would like to think that it's real, but I also know that it's not. Mm-hmm. But um, like, what are, so are you asking like if I truly believe in mermaids or like would yeah. like to believe in mermaids? Either. Um, I would like to believe in mermaids. Do you? Think, I don't think that I do. Right, but like, here's here a follow up question. Okay. Um, so so let's assume, for the sake of this question, mermaids mm. are real. Yes, they're in our oceans right now doing mermaid things. We don't really know what they are. Um. Do you think mermaids look like how we've been told they look? No. Well, that's a good question because no. (laughs) (laughs) I think that we think of them as half human, half fish because that is what makes us comfortable, sort of, if that makes sense. Like, that would be like, oh... It's basically a human with a tail. Although thinking um, about a half person swimming in the sea does not make me feel good. No, um, it's not great. But I think like there's it reminds me actually <laughs> of an SNL skit where it's like um, I forget who doesn't matter, but it's like a beautiful mer- beautiful mermaid the way we picture mermaids, and then it's like <laughs> a, a mermaid that basically looks like a giant squid, but it like can talk. And I feel like that might be more realistic in terms of a big giant weird sea creature. Yeah. Mainly because even though I, as a child loved the idea of a mermaid. And as you know, I got very obsessed with all things mermaid. Um, Mm -hmm. But as an adult, when I really think about, like I said, a part person, part fish, swimming in the depths of the ocean I am terrified by what that yeah, would be um yeah absolutely I mean and in a and lot what of it would mythical look like stories oh yeah and a it lot would of myth- look myth- terrifying yeah and we've also in like popular culture and like kid culture made mermaids very docile yeah. like very they're sweet they're like princesses um yeah. but in, in a lot of mythological stories they are mean yeah, they rip you apart, literally. Yeah, they're like um, big because, fish. <laughs> because if you have, like, the human body is super duper frail. And if you're going to put that in the ocean with all kinds of other crazy shit out there, that thing is going to, it's got to toughen up. 
and it's going to yeah. be like it's not going to be like human skin colors it's going to be like blue or like gray and mm-hmm. horrifying looking um its eyes are going to be weird it's going to have scary teeth yeah. you know like all kinds of shit absolutely so the girl that is featured <laughs> in this show that we're going to talk about today is a bit different from what we might imagine and that's in part one might say because she's not actually a mermaid which is something we'll talk about shortly um but hello everyone welcome to see you next week in space i am your host sarah walsh here with my co-host and sister amy walsh and amy why don't you let people in on what we're talking about today because People are probably puzzled. They're like, are you talking about Little Mermaid? What's happening? Right. um, And let me tell you, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wish. No, we're talking about a a TV show called Ocean Girl. Mm -hmm. uh, That was from the 90s. I guess it aired between 1994 and 1997. The episode in particular that we talked about or that we watched, rather, is called Changes. And it was season three, episode 14 from December 8th of 1996. Yes. And I had no clue what was happening the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. So part of that would be because this show is a serial. So. Yeah. Although this episode, I think, I mean, I tried my best to find something that could stand alone. It's not your fault. Um, But. It is tough to know for sure until you actually watch what it what you're gonna get. Um, the IMDb description describes Ocean Girl thusly: set against the beauty of far north Queensland, Ocean Girl is the story of Neri, a mysterious young girl from the ocean who was discovered by the young inhabitants of an underwater research colony. So, okay, and the, I'll say the main vibe of this, like absolutely reminded me first of all young an underwater research colony mm-hmm. wtf is that but whatever <laughs> we'll move on um but this show like the whole vibe of it really reminded me of the show that i can't remember what it's called but um, perfect great <laughs> the one with jonathan landis jonathan oh sequest Sequest, yes. You mean Jonathan Brandis. Brandis, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's what it reminded me of this entire time. I was like, where's he at? Yes. Um, Yeah. I guess in the mid-90s, there was a lot of feelings that we were going to move under the sea. Um, And also have children running everything. Also Also? that, of course. (laughs) I mean, naturally. That's a bit of like what we talked about with space cases, too, where it's like kids are in charge. Um, So just in case anyone didn't fully understand or doesn't know what Queensland means. That's in Australia. Um, This is an Australian kids show. Yeah. I will Um, say the Australian of it all and the Australian accents ratcheted up the watchability points a bit, a big bit for me. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Because (laughs) um, I feel as though there was even a couple times where one of the characters said to another, like, on ya, like, and, like, I don't even know what that means. Well, it's a shortening of good on ya, which is like oh, an Australianism for, for like w- way to go kind of. Yeah. Um, but what's funny is I'm like, 
first of all, that's like one of those things where like people from other countries think we must be saying like howdy and yeehaw every second. <laughs> it's like, you know, if they are all of a sudden said, let's put a shrimp on the Barbie, like that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, like people do say good on you sometimes, but certainly not like a thousand times in 25 minutes. <laughs> and I've but, the, ne- but it really was an Australian show, right? It wasn't yes. like an American show with Australian people. Yes, but I think it's like, um, you know, it's the same as when you watch an American sitcom and it's like, people don't set really talk like this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, set in anywhere. It's like... This, I just meant with, because you said howdy and stuff before. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. But it's the same as if it's like, oh, we're in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, it's just like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't not, think... That's not wholly una- inaccurate, actually. But yes, I know you Right. Mean. Well, same here. Like like I said, people do say good on you. But I personally, I've li- I lived in Australia for four years. I never once heard anyone say on you. Like, as if... Like saying good on you was too much effort. <laughs> yeah, that's and, like, too much effort. Um, but they, but it, I mean, okay, whatever. But I mean, in Australia in general, I would say, um, is it not true that they do like to shorten things? Yes, that is true. Yeah. Um, so, Which is why I don't understand a lot of what they say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you might be asking yourself, you might have asked this, Amy, listeners, you might have asked this. Like, what could a show called Ocean Girl, how could this be science fiction? Why is this girl Nary from the ocean? Like, what's the whole deal? So there's a couple ways that this qualifies as (laughs) science fiction. Firstly, uh, here's our segment called Sarah Justifies Why She Picked This Show. (laughs) Yep. I have to, I feel like I'm increasingly under attack by you as to why I've picked things. No. Um, Well, not because I think like it's not science fiction, but just that I think it's not good. Yeah. Um, So let's start with one of your questions, (laughs) which is the underwater research colony. Yeah. that is called the Oceanic Research Center of Australia, or ORCA, for short. Um, That's convenient. There's quite a lot of acronyms in mm-hmm. this show, so you better be into that, first of all. <laughs> I am. Um, and so because it's this underwater research colony, and it is like, we've seen this, you said Sequest, we've, but even other science fiction properties show us like oh at we're gonna create these like weird glass bubbles at the bottom of the sea and then we're gonna like mm. do this as a jumping off point and somehow this is like a city underwater yeah. um i personally hope i'm never alive for when we get to that level of technology because i don't want to live on the bottom of the ocean no but like i mean i guess like would we have to is it like even if there's people, other people who choose to? I I don't want to get to a point where that's the only option. Like right. the surface of the earth, the crust, if you will. <laughs> oh, your favorite is, is no longer. And I looked up and um, call back to last week, but I looked up the other parts of the earth are the mantle and the. I guess you said core. Um, yeah. And then mantle is some other part in the middle. Anyway. Cool. Um, right. Thanks. I don't want to get to the point where we no longer can live on the crust and must go underwater. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So here's my thing. Like, I guess 
I would prefer Weird Colony at bottom of ocean over Weird Colony in a space setting. Yes, that's um, true. I would, Although... if, if I were given those options, I think I would be more inclined to underwater place. But they're kind of the same if, like, if you they're think equally about, like, dangerous. Yes. Yeah, there's creatures in both, supposedly, I guess. I don't really know much about, like, aliens per se. But there's creatures, and you can't breathe in the atmosphere alone out of, like, a ship. So right. If the ship, so it's not, I don't like any, I don't, I opt out. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but the fact of this very sophisticated underwater research lab being there tells us that this is sometime in the future, though it's unclear exactly how far we've gone. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Now, there's not very much out there about this show in terms of its production or, like, why someone came up with this. Um, <laughs> the other thing that we will maybe need to get to when we talk about, like, what's happening... Um, Neri is not a mermaid, but an alien. Yeah, I did not get that. I, I didn't get what she was. Yeah, she's an alien. Um, and this kind of links into uh, a strand of science fiction that I don't think we've done too much with on this show, but I've definitely seen various kind of musings about this, which is um, underwater aliens... Yeah. Um, I feel like we did one, but I can't I think I it. think we've sort of done it. Um and and there are variations on what that means depending on what you're talking about. It's either yeah. that they're truly aliens, which which seems to be the case for Neri, which is mm-hmm. we come from another planet and then we go into your ocean and we like do stuff or hide there. There's that okay. version. Yeah. There's also a version where it's like they're not really aliens. They're from Earth, but they maybe some maybe they move from land to sea at some kind of like deep past time mm. um, or they emerge out of the sea mm. and then we don't know about them kind of thing. So, yeah, I guess I technically. Like octop- what oh, are you going to say about my octopus teacher? No, I was just going to say that I think octopi. Is octopi how you say? No, it's actually octopuses. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. Um, I think they're aliens. Sure. Um, so that's what we're dealing with in this show is underwater alien girl, mm. not mermaid. Um, Which is unfortunate. I think. Yeah. I, I prefer a mermaid. Well, the upside is per per the conversation we just had is um rather than being a mermaid from earth which would look terrifying she is an ocean girl from space who looks and like a gorgeous. human being and she's the most beautiful girl you've ever seen um that is the upside she does that have is that going for her um so what i thought was interesting though is cuz you also asked me this like how did i know about this show Um, I definitely watched some episodes as a child, but didn't Mm. really have the full appreciation. Like, this was on for kind of a while. They made, like, 85 episodes. It's a lot of episodes. um, Which I hadn't realized. And the reason I wasn't aware of how 
long it went on was because it's this Australian show, it didn't mm-hmm. really get to the U.S. except on the Disney Channel, mm-hmm. which we couldn't afford. So um, I only ever got to see it when it was like free weekend of Disney Channel. Yeah. Um, Gosh, times have changed. Indeed. But um, it clearly made an impression on me because I have remembered it ever since. And I have to assume in part it was because of the beauty of Neri, the actress. Um, <laughs> who, because I would have been, I guess, approximately thought- her age when this came out. Oh. And I was like, oh, man, if I could I only be her friend. <laughs> like, look as beautiful as her or something. Um, <laughs> but it was also really popular. So it went into syndication all throughout Europe, the Americas, Asia, and Africa. It's like at various countries and all these places have shown it. Um, and also, intriguingly, uh, not only did like the people who watched it have a soft spot in their hearts for it, like critics also seem to be pretty uh, like praising yeah, of it. What's up with that? Um, I don't really know. I guess, uh, I mean, I ha- thinking about it in the context of the mid-90s and, like, what was available as a kid's show, um, yeah. this was at least pretty creative and yeah. more demanding because of the serial format, you know? Like, so Yeah. I think maybe some of those things probably help. Um, but let's turn to the cast. And we're only going to talk about kind of the characters who matter to this particular episode. There's a, it's a pretty big cast if you think about kind of across the four seasons who matters. But mm-hmm. the most important person is the titular ocean girl named Neri. And that's played um, by this season. Marzena Godecki is 18 years old. Um, okay. She was born in Poland um, and then came Hmm. to Australia sometime in her childhood. Um, And she only has two credits in her IMDb life. Hmm. And there's this show where she's the star. And then she, like a couple years before, she's in a couple episodes of another beloved Australian kids TV show called Round the Twist. Um, what's that? Well, I was just talking about it with James last night and I, I have heard about this show from Australians of my age because it, I think it ran from like 92 to 94. Mm -hmm. Um, and whenever I've heard about it, so then what I said to James last night was, so it's like a kid's twilight zone. And he was like, yes. I love it. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. Round the twist. Yes. So we may in time feel like we need to look at that I suppose yeah I like Um, the sounds of it so she was in a few episodes of that and then this and then that was it um interesting yeah and I I don't it's hard to know like you know why would someone opt out of this because she certainly like I don't want to be like a weird person who's talking about a child and saying (laughs) she's beautiful but like She's, you already have been, so might as well lean into it. <laughs> but, like, truly, I mean, come on. You saw it, too. I'm not yeah. crazy. And, she, um, and if she was 18, I mean, that's, like, I think that's n- not as creepy. And we're not saying it in the lecherous way. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason. Um, she's aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. And, and that she's. that makes somebody feel better. 
And she's no, like, she seems like a fine actor in this. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, it's just kind of surprising to me that for whatever reason, she did this and that was it. And that's all she wanted. And yeah. that, you know, we're done. Um, yeah. uh, then we have uh, her friend and maybe potential love interest at some juncture called Jason Bates. And that's played by an actor named David Hofflin, who was 17 when this show came out. Mm-hmm. He was born in Sweden and then migrated to Australia. Um, he interesting. Yeah, you get a lot of that in Australia. They, um, oh, really? yeah, a lot of um, it's a it's a country that really relies on migrants, um, in a lot of ways, and yet simultaneously huh. shits on them. Um, yeah. So oh, what is that? Sounds like no other country I've ever I heard. I know. Of. <laughs> I know. Uh, so. He, after this show, just, he's, like, still working, basically. Um, and he, in from 20, 2007 to 2011, he was on a show we've talked about on this podcast before, oh. uh, Neighbors, which is an, a okay. long-standing, ongoing Australian soap opera that often is okay. a launch pad to bigger and better things. Um gotcha. Law and, and order of the U.S., maybe? <laughs> kind of. Um, he, and unsurprisingly in his case, so he's on neighborhood, Neighbors from 2007 to 2011. It's around the early 2010s that he starts appearing in American mm. um, things of various different persuasions. So it is working for him. He gets his kind of, like, Neighbors boost. Um, hmm. and so he, And so now his career does seem to be growing, um and particularly within the United States American market um um and but also you know like I think in this guy's case it's probably nice to like start out as a teen doing kind of this weird cheesy stuff and now you know he's Mm -hmm. still building on his career and it's going well um yeah the other one who plays his little brother Brett Bates is a guy named Jeffrey Walker who was 14 when this show came out or this particular mm-hmm. episode. Um, he clearly did a kid acting situation. Um, his first credit was in 1988, so he would have been quite young at that point. Um, but he's gone on to move into the realm of directing, um, and that seems mm-hmm. to happen around 2003. Like he still is sometimes appearing as an actor himself into like I think up to about 2007 but after that he's fully committed to directing um and again this is mostly like his most recent stuff he's directing like uh episodes of like sitcoms and stuff here in the U.S. Hmm. um so so yeah so both of those guys doing well um then we have the woman who plays their mom uh, a woman, well, the character is called Dr. Diane Bates, and this is played by an actor named Liz Birch, who was 42. Um, she was on a show, an Australian show called Cop Shop. Um, Love that. That sounds I great. I don't know what that show would be about. I mean, cops, obviously, but like. And they're like talking shop. I guess. Um, <laughs> she was a series regular on that from 1979 hmm. to 1981. She was also a series regular on a show that I wow. really want to see 
uh, called The Flying Doctors. Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah, this takes us back to something that we haven't done in a while, which is I just pick out names of things that sound cool. And then I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I sure I love it. would watch it probably. Absolutely. Um, Can you imagine the flying doctors followed by witch's court, followed <laughs> by cop shop? Love it. Yes. I don't even know what any of that is. Love I it. I know. I mean, flying doctors to me makes me think of like the fl- flying Walendas. And then I think it's like people dressed as doctors. They they aren't just dressed as doctors. They are doctors. They've got like scrubs on. And then they're like flying on trapezes. Like, oh, wow. While maybe also taking your blood pressure. Oh, something. see, I see. I pictured it a little different. I pictured like there's a doctor and they've got like bionic hearing and mm-hmm. they like hear hear someone get injured and they're like, hold on. And then they like fly through the air and like arrive at the injured person and like do their fixing of the injury, surgery, whatever, and then like fly away. I mean, both are great ideas. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Somebody get on that. I mean, yeah. I guess they already did. I'm curious what it really is, but yeah, anyway. we. I think we're better off not knowing because yeah, it can't. Probably. It can't be better. Can't be than better that. than what we just said. So. Yeah. And then the other character that kind. I mean, there's a bunch of kids in this. Um, like a big passel of kids, but I don't think we really need to know like their whole deal. The main kid that matters is a character named Lena Hellegren, played by an actor named Jolene, and I. Do not know how to pronounce this. Trigorak? Trigorak? Whoa, um, interesting. Where, what is that last name? I, I assume Eastern European of some okay. persuasion, but just so Con- listeners. C-R-N, a C-R-N is hard. Three yes. consonants. Kronogorak. Yeah, Maybe. I that sounded terrible. I don't know. <laughs> Tronograch. I don't know. Um, yeah, I have to assume Eastern European of that's of a some tough one place, but don't know much beyond that. Um, so she's had a fairly sporadic acting career, starting in the early '90s and carrying into 2019. Um, and then in 2020, she wrote, directed, and produced um, a TV series in Australia. Uh, so she's still kind of around, seems like. Um, mm-hmm. but these are the main kind of named characters for this episode that matter to us. And that's quite. That's plenty. Generous, I would say, in terms of saying it matters. Cause like. Oh, yeah. Uh, again, this. I, so you said when we were preparing for this that you had trouble understanding anything that was happening. <laughs> Truly. And I mean, that sounds silly, but like I really didn't. I was watching the action and the whole time was just kind of like, hmm, no idea. Um, in fairness to you, uh, this is one of the shortest outlines I've ever made. Great. Love um, it. And so there's like... It's interesting how how time gets filled, I guess. Um, <laughs> because I didn't feel like this show was boring necessarily, but when I like looked at my notes, I was like, 
nothing happened. It's like nothing happened. Really nothing. So like, where did the time go? Where did these 25 minutes time, go? I feel like. Um, yeah. And sometimes, but it's interesting because I thought this overall worked. Whereas other times you're like, when we've looked at things where I'm like, nothing happened. And it was like, however long that didn't work at all. So I'm not really sure what the magic like formula is for that. (laughs) Um, But this is very much like very little seems to happen. Maybe kind of a bit like, um, like soap operas, you know how soap operas, they've got like 45 minutes of time to fill and, it's a lot of talking. And they and then they want to move the story extremely incrementally because they're doing, yeah. you know, five episodes or whatever. Yeah. Um, maybe this kind of has that energy to it. Yeah. Um, so let's dive in. Ha ha. <laughs> a good one. Yeah. Um, so we start with the opening credits. I don't need to linger on this, but I will say <laughs> the the credits were like weirdly intense seeming to me. Really? Um, I don't even pay attention, I don't think. And as you'll see in my notes, I said just lots of pan flute sounds. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, which is both like, I'm like, it was the 90s. That totally checks out. <laughs> we got this pan flute thing going. Um. So the opening little bit is we see Neri swimming in the water deep down and she's watching some divers collecting something from the ocean floor. Um, And also it's just worth mentioning that when Neri is swimming deep in the ocean, she does not need any kind of um, accoutrements (laughs) to be able to do that. Um, she can just be down there. I don't know if it's unclear if she can like, quote unquote, breathe underwater or if she holds her breath or like what's going on, like how her alien physiology works. But anyway, she can, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) then, um, oh, we can skip that part because it doesn't ma- matter at all. So then we're on the underwater research uh, colony called Orca. And specifically, we're in this particular room with um, a computer known as the Helen 3000. Um, and let's Clearly. see if I can figure out what Helen stands for because you know it stands for something. Um... um. Hmm. I should have looked this up before. Uh, oh, yeah, here it is. Um, the Helen stands for Hydroelectric Liaison Entity. Um, of course. I mean, this is getting to a point where, like, I'm like, can we just, like, stop doing this science yeah, it's fiction? Yeah, too like, much. Yeah. Um, but basically, Helen is this fancy computer And the kids in this group of kids, so there's, like, this group of kids also who live on the Orca research station, and they're all friends. Um, And they are friends with Neri, and they're trying to help her, because this is where the serialization comes into play. So they've already established in previous seasons to this, because we're deep into season three at this point, that Neri is 
an alien girl that she came to this planet on a ship that has been discovered in the ocean off the coast of Queensland. Mm-hmm. And there are various um, tools that the ship had that Nary needs to collect back. Because, like, the ship is inoperable under the ocean. And mm-hmm. I guess they're trying to fix it. And one of the things that came, and I think if I remember correctly, there's also something about how she came on the ship with her dad and then her dad died or I don't know. Yikes. Um, but the reason that they came is because this particular alien species, which I don't know that they ever call them anything. Um, okay. It is like good with water. <laughs> obviously clearly yeah um and that they they have come to earth as a mission to help our ocean how sweet yeah pretty like altruistic of them yeah seriously usually it's just to like kill us or something yeah and so to do that her dad brought in the ship something called synchronium which is some sort of material from their planet Okay. And so so this is all backstory to understand what's happening here. So And I didn't get a one word of it. I mean, I understood what you just said, but I didn't get that no, from watching this. No. So Helen so they have been in the process, Nary and all of her kid friends have been in the process of locating pieces of synchronium to try and bring them back to her ship to figure out and like complete her dad's mission. And they're trying to use this Helen 3000 computer to identify locations of where some chromium could be. But for whatever mm-hmm. reason, Helen is not doing that for them. And so they are mm. irritated. Then we go to a different um, scientific research place. Uh, this one is another acronym that is UBRI, um, which... Uh, I would have said was Ubri, um, but they kept saying Ubri, which is more of an Australian pronunciation. Um, mm-hmm. This one, I cannot tell if that stands for anything. Um, doesn't look like it does. Do they just call it that? Yeah, it's just Ubri. Weird. Um and Ubri, of course, is like if Orca is full of good people, Ubri is full of bad people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying. They are also looking for the synchronium, but in their case, they're looking like so. Ubri is a private company, and so they're looking for the synchronium not to fix the ocean, but to like make some kind of money off of it. Or- mm. Um, and in the Ubri lab, we see Dr. Hellegren, who is the director of Ubri, and one of his minions, who, according to IMDb, is named Keller, though I'm not sure if that's really true. Um, and they have located another piece of synchronium, and they're on their way to go and find it. And then this is also, Keller is, like, kind of needling Dr. Hellegren. Mm-hmm. Uh, about his daughter, Lena, and, um, oh, I forgot. In my handwritten notes, 
when I'm watching this, I wrote Boris and Natasha. Oh my God, for who? For these two characters, Dr. <laughs> Hallegren and Keller, because the woman, so Keller is a woman who has a very obviously, it's a wig on her head. Like it's not her hair and it's mm -hmm. black and it's short and it's got like blunt cut bangs Oh across. yeah, that one, she was creepy actually. Yeah, and they've made her up to, like her face might as well be in like white pancake makeup yeah. <laughs> yeah and she has this like weird ass eastern european sounding accent that she's doing um or german or something and so i was just like it's like boris and natasha these two people like plotting <laughs> with each other about how they're gonna like bring down the end of humanity or something um and in the context of that uh dr hellegren like turns to keller and is like, I have no daughter. Oh, no. Whoa. Meanwhile, then, cut to seeing Lena. Uh, she has snuck onto the Orca research station uh, because she wants to help Neri find these pieces of synchronium before Ubri does. Um, I'm not entirely... Because I, I didn't watch any other episodes. Um, it's unclear to me, like, what has happened in Lena's life that she's decided she wants to help like the competitors to her dad's thing. Mm -hmm. um, but she, that's what she's decided. And so then Brett and Jason have to convince their mom to let her stay, uh, which she eventually does. Um, and then they take her to Neri's Island. So Neri does not live at Orca. She lives on this island, mm -hmm. um, which I guess must be nearby to Orca somewhere. I guess so. Um, and so Jason and Brett take Lena to her um, and, also, and, and explain, like, oh, she's come to help uh, this mission of yours. And mm -hmm. Neri's, like, grateful for that. And in response or in return, she takes... They take Lena down. Now, this is now, I know I'm confused because the island that Neri's on is also where the spaceship is. Yeah. But I, I didn't get any of this, so don't think you're about to ask me. No, I guess I'm just going to ask this question into the wind. But like, <laughs> so the, so she has her island. The ship is on or near the island, but then. When they're like, then they go into the ship in this scene, and I thought the ship was stuck underwater. Yeah. So I don't really know what that means, but that's happening. Um, <laughs> and so Neri is showing this ship to Lena and explaining that they're on this process to look for synchronium, but having a bit of trouble. And Lena's like, but you have a Helen 3000. Like, that should help you find these pieces, like, no problem. And they're like, yeah, but for whatever reason, um, the computer's, like, not doing that. Like, it's not working the way we expect. And I don't know why that's so, but that's what's happening. And then Lena's like, well, I think I can help. Um, because, as is so often the case in a mid-90s show a teen girl turns out to be a hacker on the side. Of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to. Um, yeah. 
I mean, I was a hacker in the 90s, so. You were? <laughs> no, not at all. Well, I was, was going to be impressed, but now <laughs> forget it. I was um, just the right demographic, I guess, if it was like young girls who were I, all of the hackers. I guess technically me as well, but I definitely I'm had no skill it, set of that persuasion. <laughs> um, so then we cut to going back into this Helen computer room. Mm-hmm. Um, Lena is trying to, quote unquote, hack into Helen which mainly seems like she's saying a lot of, like, password phrases, which is, like, I'm like, is the problem that these kids have not figured out how to get a password for this computer? Yeah. Like, that's not quite the same thing. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, this one character named Cass, she's uh, this other little girl, um, she's like, why are we listening to this Lena person who's just come over from the dark side, basically? Um, we don't know that she's good at computers. We don't know why she's here. We shouldn't trust her. That's her kind of whole, like, position this whole time. I think that's a fair take. I guess. I guess. Um, but I guess I'd also be like, well, we don't, as far as I know in this show anyway, this is the first time these kids have ever interacted with Lena. They've only ever interacted with her dad. So yeah. I'm like, it's not fair to assume that kids are going to be like shitty, like their parents. Like she's, <laughs> she's come here seemingly with good intentions and is helping you. And so maybe it's better to just like work on that assumption rather than assuming bad behavior from the start. But um, since I haven't watched other episodes, it's possible Cass is right about this. Yeah. Um, then somehow Lena says some sort of word salad that unlocks <laughs> Helen and they find a map to the synchronium and they have this like particular location that they all are like, yay, let's go and get this synchronium. And it's the same location that the people at Ubri found like a few minutes before. <laughs> so then they, when they arrive at this like location, uh, they just miss Ubri, like Ubri vans and trucks and things barrel out away, having collected the synchronium piece. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so then they go back to Orca, and this is where things really take a turn for me. And this um, is where. <laughs> yes, okay. yes, because these children, like, the oldest ones are 17 and 18 years old. Most everyone else, at least by appearance, is between the ages of 12 and 15. They decide that the natural thing to do is to steal the various pieces of synchronium from Ubri's facility. Okay. Which is, like, to me is, like, the equivalent of, like, a bunch of tweens and teens saying that they're gonna go break into like how what would be a good example like they're gonna break into the server farm for amazon or something like (laughs) i'm like there's no there is no way you could expect this would be a reasonable thing you could achieve like yeah 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 um 
But that's their plan. They're going to go take these pieces from Ubri so that they can give them to Neri, uh, mm-hmm. who can use them properly. This is also when I noticed that Cass had a very unusual hairdo. Do you remember this? No, I do not. I Um, I don't remember who is who at this point. So this was a little girl. Oh, yes, I do, where she had rollers in her head. That's a bit later. This is... Oh, Jesus. (laughs) She had two very aggressively strange hairstyles. Oh. That was one where she just had, like, four rollers on the top of her head to make, like, almost like a faux hawk sort of thing. But the funny part about it was that you could see the rollers. Like, I could get it if, like... Because I think, right. I, I do think a trope, it seems to me, in sci-fi is, like, crazy hairdos, right? For sure. Like, ooh, absolutely. we have this weird hairdo in the future. Yes. So if they had made it, so, like, put enough hairspray so that you didn't have to keep the rollers in it and that it was just these weird, like, bubbles on her head, like, I think even that would have been more normal. But they kept the rollers in it. Yeah, it I think it just the rollers... just like she forgot to finish her hair. No, I think, I think the rollers were, like, a part of the look. Oh. Somehow, I I, I mean I guess, but yeah, how it's, weird. Right. So now where are we? Because I got sidetracked by hair talk. Um. Oh. There. So Jason tells her they're planning to go the day after tomorrow. Oh uh, right, right, right. Yes. Um. So they make this plan to steal the synchronium. Neri and Jason then talk it over further. And Jason tells her that they're going to go to do this stealing mission the day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what it is. Because Jason is like, I don't think you should go. It's too dangerous if you go. Um, because Ubri doesn't only want the synchronium. They've also, in various previous episodes, they've been actively trying to abduct Neri and stuff mm. as well. So he's like, I think it would be dangerous for you. Too dangerous to go to Ubri while we do this stealing mission. And Neri's mm-hmm. like, no way, this is important to me. I've got to go too. And so Jason seemingly relents and mm-hmm. is like, okay, fine. Tells her we're going to go day after tomorrow. Neri goes away and then Jason regroups and they plan to go the very next morning. So he's tricked her into believing that she will go on this mission, but in fact, she will not on mission mm-hmm. um they also convince a person that i'm referring to as benny the coward uh <laughs> to come on this mission because he's got some sort of i don't know if i would call them computer skills or what but there's some sort of skill set that he has that they need to mm-hmm. do this mission meanwhile back on nary's island nary tells this guy, Cal. Cal is another ocean person. Yeah, he's real jealous the whole time. That's like all I yes. got from him. Yes, he's he's a late... I, th- I think he gets introduced maybe in season three. He, but he's another person from the same planet as Neri. Um, but he's like still learning about being on Earth. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, he's very jealous of Neri's relationship particularly with Jason, but it seems like kind of just broadly with all other humans, he's not super into it. Yeah. Um, He, however, also wants to help with this stealing plan, 
but then Neri tells him no. So, like, that's going to be intriguing later. Mm-hmm. Um, she then goes off to Orca. This is now day after tomorrow. Or no, I guess it's just tomorrow. Um, she goes to Orca looking for her friends, and she learns that they've all disappeared. They're gone. And she's like, Jason lied to me about this plan. Even though I just said the exact same thing to Cal about, like, no, it's too dangerous for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, at Ubri, um, the kids managed to get into the, onto the grounds by just running behind a truck, uh, which is weird. um, That's very weird. That the security is not great at this place. And they're also great runners, again. I know. Um, <laughs> then uh, we, we follow along as they kind of get through various obstacles uh, to get to this room with some chromium stored in it. Mm-hmm. Lena has to enter her, like, code to access the room. Um... And this is, of course, the opportunity for Lena to show her true loyalties, mm-hmm. um, which she does because she punches in the code. But also, as soon as she does that, a big alarm goes off all over the um, property. Somehow, the kids do run away with the synchronium. They all have, like, pieces. And it looks, I don't even, it all looks quite fakey, whatever thing they've got their like quote-unquote synchronium pieces because it looks like um you know like when you make a rock or a boulder for a stage show and it's actually like super light (laughs) yeah like when it's like a piece of paper that you just like yeah it's just paper mache yeah (laughs) um it looks like that yeah um this and benny the coward of course drops one of the pieces idiot in their escape but they do manage to run away with at least some synchronium. So they've kind of foiled Ubri's plans for the moment anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason then arrives at Nary's Island with the synchronium that they have collected. And she's going to go under the water to like stow that synchronium in her ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, Nary is really pissed that they went on this, Stealing mission without her. Um, Cal, we see again, is extremely jealous because he's like, How come yeah. you're so worried about what's happening to them? And Nary's like, um, well, so this is the other thing that I learned from I think from looking at the episode descriptions on IMDB. Mm. Apparently, these ocean people, when they get to Earth, they're very confused about feeling. Ah, uh, yes, that makes sense. Um, Feelings are weird. I mean, I think, I do think, you know, that is another, like, sci-fi thing for, like, aliens and non-human folk, I guess you could say. <laughs> non-human um, folk. <laughs> I don't know, just any anybody who is not a human. I feel like human emotions are, like, a big yes. stumbling block. Yes, but the thing is, is, like, and I don't know enough about this show. I don't know, because the description just says she has to like teach Cal about feelings and then presumably she has to learn about them as well. I'm like, well, do these people have no feelings at all themselves? Like I appreciate that 
encountering another species emotional responses would be strange. Sure. But are you saying it's strange because they don't have any feelings Maybe of their they don't. own? And also, can I get into that culture? I would love to have no feeling and not like be affected by anything in my life. <laughs> but though, I mean, well, in human culture, though, you wouldn't want that because that would be you would be labeled a sociopath. <laughs> I guess. It still and, seems I mean, pretty and to be around, <laughs> But to be around people who feel and have yourself feel nothing, I think that would be more disconcerting than you think. Maybe. I already feel like that's me most of the time anyway, <laughs> as everyone else is well, like busy emoting and I'm just like dead on the outside, dead on the inside. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a tough pandemic for me. What can I say? I get it. I get it. I get that. But and so, but I do think it would be great, like if everybody could turn off their emotions for like that might not go well either, I guess. But like, yeah. Well, what's that? Isn't there like this is a show that I could have sworn Mom was just telling me about? It's like Severance. Yeah, where you like turn yeah, off. She keeps telling me about it too. Yeah, you're like, I go to work you turn and off I'm your like memory. this, and then I go yeah. home and I'm like that. Yeah, yeah. You um, turn off a memory. I don't know about turning off memories, but if you could turn off feelings, what would be helpful is if you could turn off specific feelings in specific moments to yeah. like help you uh, cope or whatever. Right. I mean, I guess that right. it. I I guess I, I guess like. I'm not sure if. Yeah, I was gonna like, say that might not be <laughs> therapist approved. <laughs> But it might be helpful in terms of, like, a survival situation. Indeed. Um, um, yeah. So, anyway, Cal is, like, definitely trying to suss out the relationship between mm-hmm. Neri and Jason. Um, and this was weird for me, too, because I, 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 I don't know where I came up with this. I had been through most of this episode under the impression that Cal was her brother or, like, a family oh. member of some sort. But- but like, but he was palpably jealous the, yes. the whole time. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And so, and that's like one of the few things I got from it. <laughs> that was like that was like clear to me. I was like, oh, dude's jealous. That's like but the one thing I got. I know, but then I was like, Kent, could it be like because I thought he was a family member of some sort? Yeah, I was like, is he jealous? In a non-romantic way, like sure, like just more know. protective. Like I don't trust these humans, right? Like, or just like I'm looking out for my friend because maybe this guy, is like bad news, yeah, something like that. Sure. But I was like, but it it's reading as romantic jealousy, yes. and if he's her brother, I feel very weird about. That. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I have subsequently determined. They are not brother and sister, and they are not family members. So I'm fine with it now. Um, so Neri and Jason have a bit of a tiff about how he lied to her, but ultimately they settle down, and they're like, the most important thing is that we got these synchronium bits, and like now we can go on to fight another day against Ubri. Mm-hmm. And the final kind of bit is that... Um, the Ubri scientists, Dr. Helligren, is extremely pissed that these kids <laughs> got these pieces, which of course they would. I mean, mm-hmm. the security in this place clearly sucks. 
Um, well, we, I feel like we talk about this a lot at a lot of these places, like at these places where they're doing like, again, I didn't quite follow this entire episode, but you know, they're doing relatively important work and it seems like, you know, it should be on lock and it's right. just kind of not. <laughs> well, I kind of blame, like, did you clock what these quote unquote security guards looked like in this show? No, I didn't. It's, uh-uh. I mean, it's super hilarious because there are just these muscle men types, <laughs> um, but like svelte. So not like big and bulky, but like muscly. Uh, and then uh-huh. they've got a white baseball cap, black <laughs> tank top, oh gosh. and short white shorts. That's their security guard outfit. And I'm it like, sounds great. It sounds very this, secure. <laughs> I don't trust someone like this to really be able to like keep a perimeter secure. Like, <laughs> well, clearly they don't. So. They don't. They absolutely fail at that miserably. Um, and especially if it's kids who can Seriously, get it. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I think also perhaps let's say in a pre nine eleven world. Uh, security was maybe a different sort of thing than what I guess so today. Um, so that's it. That's the end of the show. Done. And I will also say it was a very abrupt ending. I was like, whoa, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and there's also, there's also something that I wouldn't even say was fully developed enough to even be a B story, but like the mom and this other guy were finding out about a fault line in the mm-hmm. ocean um, that I think probably that comes into play later on in the season. Like, but they were mm-hmm. clearly like trying to spread, like put plant the seeds of that for later. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, everything was very abrupt, but again, that I am now more and more thinking like they, the writing of this felt very soap opera yeah. style. Um mm-hmm. And so that's probably why it's just like. And well, was it supposed to like be like baiting us into the next episode? Right, like, right. Yeah. Like you want to come for the next one you can't to learn quit now. Yeah, to learn. <laughs> and what I was like, happened. yes, the hell I can. I, I absolutely <laughs> am quitting right now. <laughs> I honestly couldn't care less about these children. No offense, but yeah, that's like um, in the documentary Cheer. I watched the new season of that <laughs> recently, and one of the oh, yeah. one of the featured people in that was talking about leaving the cheer program and he's like sometimes Mm. quitting is good and I was like yeah man I I don't know if I would say that to you about this particular thing you've done but I do agree in general that sometimes we need to say enough's enough for sure yeah I mean I feel like there's there's a um it's taboo to say something as blunt as quitting is good I feel like that people take that in a weird way but I definitely personally agree yeah, we've talked about it recently yeah. on this show. I'm a quitter. Show. Get I over it, it people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a quitter. Get over it. Um, okay, so let's get to yawns and eye rolls. Um, mm-hmm. Yawns. One yawn is, this was breathtaking. I couldn't take my eyes off it. Um, and ten yawns is like, just absolutely not. This, there was nothing here for me to latch on to. What would you give oh. it? I mean, I didn't follow it. So I did get bored. And I did, in a 25-minute span, look at how much time was left, like, three or four times. Whoa. Um, 
So pretty boring for me. I would say I'll be nice and say like a six. Mm, mm. But in yeah. reality, it might be closer to an eight. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, this is a tough one for me too in that regard because it was short enough. Like it, yeah, certainly no complaints there, but um, also very little happened. So that yeah. was kind of tough. So maybe I'll just give it a five and leave That's it at fair. that. Um, and then for eye rolls, one eye roll being like, I don't know, this seemed as realistic as possible for a <laughs> ocean space lady. Yeah. Um, and 10 eye rolls is like, absolutely not. I buy none of it. What would you give it? Well, you know... <laughs> It, this, the eye roll one is tough because we're already like working in like under the understanding that like we're suspension just of disbelief. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as much as an alien underwater space woman, teenager, cute girl, like as much as all of that makes sense, it made sense, I guess. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess I, I'll say five because it's what it, that's a it's a tough one for me. Yeah. I would even give it lower because like. As far-fetched as the overall story maybe is, um, the depictions of things are not super cartoonish or Yeah, lame. that's true. Um, so I think I probably will give it like a three. That's fair. And I will say, again, I did the Australian of it all did bump it up for me in terms, in terms of, of watchability. And yeah, and entertainment value. Interest. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, if these so, were all a bunch of American kids, oh my god, I would have been like yeah. bored out of my mind. Yeah, I mean, also true. Like, I will say, like, um, the shots of her island and the beach. I mean, it was and, beautiful. Yeah, um, and that's yeah part of the whole appeal as well. Yeah. Um. So finally, did you like this, and would you recommend it? <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I don't think I liked it. This is definitely not something I would care to watch again. I also don't think I would recommend it mainly because, A, I didn't like it, but mainly the real reason is because it's not free anywhere that yeah. I could find. Yeah, that is a so I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it's worth paying for it. Maybe at some point it will become free on some platform, and then maybe I would be like, sure, do whatever you want. But the fact that it's not free is a big stumbling point or you know yeah I agree with that I would say I did like it Mm -hmm. um in part because as often is the case with things like this because I have some memory of watching it as a child um and yeah like for for what it is I would say the production value is pretty decent Mm -hmm. um a lot of the shots were good and of course there's a beautiful girl with curly hair in it. So like, gotta and she's got an Australian accent. Like, yeah, I'm like all over the Australian accent. Like I'm all yeah. about it. I love it. Um, but, but yeah, I think the recommend I would r- hold off on that for the same reason, which is it's like, yeah. it's not, it's kind of easy to find, but definitely but you have to free. pay for it. And I'm not sure yeah. it's worth that at this yeah. stage. Mm-hmm. Um, well then, Good on us for having done this great <laughs> thing. Excellent, excellent. Um, 
I uh, won't do an Australian accent, though I'm tempted, but I'm but I can't do it. So I, I can only do it when I've had at least nine beers. So so we'll uh, refrain. <laughs> it's not appropriate, and I've, I'm I'm nowhere near that. In fact, I've just had coffee and water today, so yeah, uh, too hard. Um, but it has been a pleasure, everyone. I am Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.